So welcome to SaaScast, the podcast that talks you through the steps you need to future-proof your product, whether that's building the ultimate SaaS marketing team or taking your product global. Our guests will help you grow, scale up and work smarter. So today we're joined by Nicholas Gitti, Head of Growth at Timeshift. Timeshift is a software that helps companies schedule, track, monitor and find trends to help agents become more efficient and managers more engaged. So Nicholas will be discussing how to set KPIs for growth. So thanks for joining us. Um, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Really happy to be here, Gemma. Great. Lovely to have you. Um, so to start off, um, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your career and your role at Timeshift? Yeah, sure. So um, I have been working in the tech industry for the past 10 years. So basically since the beginning of my career, I have only worked with tech companies. And I feel like sometimes this is great or not at the same time, because I have never worked in a different industry before. And well, I started as an account executive in a very small startup that was at the time developing a project management solution. And I was lucky enough that throughout years, I was able to help big companies in Natal, mostly unicorns from, from Brazil, like eBanks or Vtex, which is an e-commerce platform with their sales, marketing and partnership strategies. So, and, and I feel like over the, the, uh, the past 10 years, I have been able to help many different tech companies from different backgrounds or industries. So I have worked with CRM companies like Pipedrive or e-commerce, fintechs, uh, martech companies, uh, but all basically in the same size or technology uh, industry. And most recently, I am the head of growth at Timeshift, just like you said, which is a workforce management solution for Zendesk. And my main role at Timeshift is to find new ways of generating revenue. So one of our challenges with growth is that how we can be more creative and find new ways of generating qualified leads, boosting revenue. Uh, and I do that by managing the sales team uh, and the partnerships team. Great, thank you for running through that for us. Um, so. Let's get straight uh, stuck straight in. So how do you approach growth KPIs at Timeshift? So that's a great question. And there is something that is very special about your case that could be very helpful, but at the same time, it's kind of scary. So the way the Timeshift works is that we are an add-on to Zendesk. And so in that sense, it's very good for me as a growth manager because uh, this is the first time in my life that I know my total addressable market by the number, that it's basically Zendesk base of clients, right? Yeah. But on the other hand, most of the standard lead generation or growth strategies doesn't really apply to us. Because if we start investing a lot of, for example, on ads or on inbound marketing or content marketing, although we would generate a lot of good leads because workforce management is still something new and uh, we have seen a huge increase in that specific industry, most of the leads we would generate uh, will not be Zendesk customers, even though we try to validate that early on on the growth uh, workflow, on the lead generation workflow, sorry. So in that sense, it gives me... Uh, when we go to when we approach growth on time shift, we know exactly where we want to get because I know my addressable market, but at the same time, we have to be creative about the strategies that we put in place. So for us, really doesn't make sense to look at ads or, or inbound marketing or content, but at the same time, we're looking for ways to, okay, how can I 
use the right growth strategies to get to Zendesk customers without Zendesk help, right? So yeah. should I rely on their partners? Should I rely on uh, a specific tools that allow me to build a smart uh, prospect list that I already know that this set of this set of, of companies are already Zendesk customers and et cetera. So it's quite challenging, which is great. This is something new for my career. Um, but then when we look at the KPIs, we won't be looking at CPA, conversion rate. We won't be looking that much to you know the main KPIs I would normally look for a SaaS company. So some of the KPIs we like to keep track of, for example, is what's the percentage of Zendesk client base that we have touched or that we have converted into customers? Right. How many Zendesk resellers or tech partners have we reached out so far? And how many of those are also partnered with us? Because that has a huge impact on our growth plans and goals for the rest of the year. So it has been quite a challenging exercise to think about, okay, let me forget a little bit about all those growth KPIs that are used in different companies over the past years. And we need to think about this from a different perspective. Uh, but when we go into, uh, I was talking more about lead generation and, and growth on the marketing side, but when you go into sales and customer success, it's pretty much the same. I think the basic standard KPIs really work for us. Sometimes we like to you know, play around and mix stuff a little bit. So you know, if I do have a higher or, or a higher average cycle, uh, average sales cycle or average ticket, depending on the lead source, if it came directly from Zendesk, or from our other strategies. But uh, for the rest of the funnel, it's basically the same. That's so interesting to hear sort of how it works so differently there, especially, as you say, sort of trying to forget the past and all your um, the previous yeah. tactics that you've used. So I'm sure that'd be really interesting for our audience to hear how that works differently in your company. So when you're... Um, Oh, we'll cut that bit out. I've just lost my question there. <laughs> um, no worries. So what data or information goes into um, setting KPIs for growth at time shift? Yeah, that's another interesting question because it's usually a mix of a lot of different stuff. So we are also looking on the marketing side, for example. We Even though like conversion rates from our website, blog, and social media is not a huge thing for us, uh, because it, usually the ratio is not healthy between non-Zendesk customers and Zendesk customers. This is something we keep track of because as a small company, we are around 50 people. We want to you know, make the most of every lead or opportunity we generate, right? Yeah. So we tend to go about conversion rates, uh, number of visitors, lead generation, and how many opportunities we generated. So the basic marketing stuff. And we actually do ads but much more from a brand awareness perspective than from a lead generation perspective, right? So I also keep track with all the ad KPIs we need to. Yeah, that makes sense. And then, and then on the sales side, once again, basically the, the main stuff really works for us. Like the basic ones, the, the standard ones like sales cycle, average ticket, cohort analysis of lead generation or opportunity generation, um, MRR generated, number of proposals and et cetera, and also conversion rates. And we're always trying to mix uh, our marketing and sales data with our financial and customer success data information as well, from churn and logo churn to expansion and contraction, but also looking at what is our current revenue margin and MRR generated over the past period of time. So 
it's usually a mix of all of those. And then we can go into details of which kind of tools we use or how we're able to find information we want. But that's usually how we go about it. Yeah. And sort of leading on from that, how do you sift through all that data to find out what's actually relevant, what's useful and and what is just data sort of um, taking up your time and resources? <laughs> yeah, that that's an interesting question as well. So when we are designing, for example, a new lead generation workflow, right? So basically, we do have a new place where our resellers can um can register their leads or we're trying a new approach via outbound or ABM, we always try to make sure that we actually involve the right platforms and the workflow would make it as seamless as possible. So it's important to make sure that the data we are collecting, it's being collected the same way in different platforms. Yeah. So it's, in, it's consistent. So for example, if we are trying to collect the location of that customer, uh, and I'm using a specific field on my landing page on Unbounce, for example. And then I'll have to reassess that information on my CRM, but it's in a different format. The field, I might have some conflict there. Or if I'm asking for the customers, you know, their, the number of employees that the company has on a specific form or through the chat, I want to make sure that the answer uh, that they would give is the same one that I am collecting on the CRM and in, in other platforms. So we always try to think of the whole workflow before building a new lead generation strategy or collecting more information, just because we make sure that the format and the content is consistent. So I don't have to lose a lot of time sitting through the data and trying to you know, make sure that it's qualified and that it makes sense. And it's the same kind of data across all the platforms. Absolutely. So sort of making sure from the outset, you know exactly what you want from the end. As you say, consistency is key. So knowing that from the beginning obviously can help very, very much. Exactly. And it's a never end project because we are always trying to make changes, A-B testing. So which kind of answers or questions would work the best? And also make sure that the other platforms that are involved in this, uh, in this lead generation process are also updated to the new things that we are trying. And then as the company grows, the strategies tends to get more complex. And by more complex, usually I mean that we put more platforms along the way, right? So it used to be like just a landing page and the CRM, but right now you want to include Zapier, maybe round robin platform. You also want to enrich that data. So as long as you add more platforms to the process, it gets more complex. And then you have to be sure that you know the, the data and the format is consistent. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, so how do you adapt commonly used KPIs to suit your company's goals? Obviously, you've mentioned how different it is at time shifts. So um, how would you say you you change that to, to make that effective for you? Awesome. So besides those very specific KPIs that we like to keep track of, uh, you know, percentage of senders client base that we have reached, we also tend to, very, to have a very close relationship with them. Zendesk invested on us last year. So um, if we had any plans of integrating with other platform, that's out of the picture. But we we like to have a very close relationship with their sales team as well and their yeah. customer success team because um, sometimes they come across a client or a prospect that also needs a workforce management solution. And as Zendesk doesn't provide that, we usually you know hop into the sales process and help them close the deal or do the upgrade, right? Yeah. So we tend to look at these different sources uh, in a different way on our lead generation or sales funnel. 
to actually make sure which one of the channels, and usually the channels that are Zendesk related, we have a higher conversion rate, at least at the beginning of the sales process, uh, throughout the whole sales process as well. So if it's a lead that comes from a customer success manager from Zendesk, uh, usually we do have a higher conversion rate overall, right? Yeah. But we tend to not pay a lot of attention to the first steps of the funnel, like from lead generation to qualifying the lead up until it becomes an opportunity because most of our sources are coming through Zendesk or we did a big research before we started generating new leads. Yeah. So we know that we are, we are, we're targeting the right profile. So once again, that's one of the good things of our current situation. <laughs> but at the same time, we try to be a little bit more specific and adapt our KPIs over the last uh, steps of the funnel, because this is where usually it changes a little bit from the standards of the market. So I cannot compare our uh, conversion rates, for example, with other SaaS platforms in the same industry that we are, mostly due to our relationship with them. But uh, as soon as the lead, the opportunity is qualified and we go through the last part of the sales process, so discussing about pricing, proposal, uh, going over legal and compliance, uh, we tend to have similar conversion rates to the rest of the industry. So we tend to focus more on that, what we can do to improve the last part of the funnel from a marketing perspective or from a sales perspective, how can I generate more qualified leads? And also there is a correlation between the kinds of, of leads that go that have a better conversion rate at the end. So that's where we usually put more of our effort to customize some of the most commonly used KPIs to our needs. Yeah. Um, and I'm talking more about the sales side of things. Mm -hmm. When you go into uh, into marketing or lead generation, uh, on customer success is basically the same. I think we don't adapt a lot of stuff. Uh, once the client is in, we we do want to keep up with the same KPIs to see if we're doing the right thing. So NPS, all the different surveys and interviews we do with the customers, logo churn, churn, uh, expansion and contraction. But on the marketing side, we tend to look more for, okay, um, for how successful I'm being with my ABM or outbound strategy than exactly going over the main uh, marketing, commonly used KPIs for marketing. Yeah. So I guess it's quite difficult for you guys to sort of compare yourself to other people in that respect because it's so different that it's obviously very tailored to time shift. Yeah, it's very hard. So this has been one of my challenges since I joined. Okay, once again, let's forget all those standard conversion rates for the industry that you had in the past. And then what we do is uh, we already have our own conversion rate. So I have an idea of you know, what we have today. And yeah. then based on that, you can plan where do you want to get, right? So it gives you a goal that it's achievable, that it's measurable, and you can work with that. But at the same time, it's hard that we cannot look around us and you know be able to have a good benchmarking with another company in a similar position. And usually there are competitors as well, so it's hard to uh, to go for that approach. Yeah, definitely. I guess instead of sort of benchmarking yourself against others and having that drive you, you're sort of driving against yourself, looking at your own personal bests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're competing against ourselves. And yeah. this is what I usually discuss with the team is that once again, there's two sides of things. So even though we cannot look outside, at the same time, it gives us some sort of peace that we, we don't have to, you know, uh, to be careful or pay attention to what the other companies in the same industry are doing because it's not going to change what we're doing right now. 
Absolutely. So moving from not being able to compare yourself to now comparing yourself, <laughs> what do you think are the most common mistakes people make when setting KPIs for growth? So obviously within time shift, it might be a bit different, but what are the ones that you've come across? Yeah. So during my experience, I have made a lot of mistakes regarding setting up KPIs. And I actually understand that there is kind of a process to that that help me, at least as a professional, in my opinion, to get this in place as soon as possible. And there is an analogy that I like to uh, to do is basically we can look at before I set a KPI, there is a center set of things that I have to do first, right? And if I understand a pyramid, a pyramid, the base of it, it's usually data quality. So the first thing I should do if I'm just arrived to a company and I actually want to generate some nice juicy KPIs to see how my sales or marketing team is doing, I have to be sure if the data that I'm seeing on the CRM or on my marketing uh, automation tool or anywhere else, it's actually qualified. Yeah. And what I have seen and I have done that in the past is that I would first go for the KPIs and try to generate insights, so generate visibility insights and sometimes even try to forecast without taking the time to see if the data that I'm looking at, it's actually right and it's qualified. Yeah. And this is arguably the, the, the most boring part of <laughs> building the KPIs and planning your growth because uh, it, it would usually, usually would have to forget a part of your, uh, of your past. So, okay, so there's so much things wrong in 2018 that we're just gonna forget that the year existed because I cannot trust the data. Yeah. And you want to start fresh from today on, right? But at the same time, you also want to look at the historical data and plan according to that. So one of the first things that I learned to do is, okay, let's go with the ops teams or with the sales team and make sure that at least the past year, we have the main informations that we need uh, correct, like the MRR, the size of the accounts, how many clients we closed, how many leads we generated roughly. So the basic stuff has to be in the right place so I can actually go to the next step of the pyramid that is visibility. Okay, once the data is right, I can actually generate the KPIs and look at the KPIs uh, and I know I can trust them. Yeah. And once that's in place, you go to the other step, then the, the next step, which is then you can generate insights. Okay, according to what I'm seeing regarding the KPIs, so how my lead generation, my conversion rates, my average uh, sales cycle is going, I can actually start planning ahead and making action plans based on that. And then we come to the last part where everyone wants to get, but we hardly ever leave the visibility insights phase, which is forecasting. Yeah. So we want to, based on those insights and the data that I have, how can I make sure that the, uh, how can I actually forecast how many leads we're going to generate, how much revenue we're going to generate, how many sales we're going to close. So I cannot, and unfortunately I haven't, uh, I tried that in the past, it doesn't work to cut some steps and try to go to forecast or insights before you know doing the data quality, visibility and following the process. Yeah, that absolutely makes so, sense. Yeah, these are the most common mistakes that I have made in the past. And sometimes when I help other companies with growth, I have seen them you know, not wanting to go through the, to the whole process. Mm. And usually what helps to avoid this kind of problems and errors is building processes that would assure that the data is being the data inserted is being qualified yeah. and you can trust what you're seeing. Absolutely. So sort of setting up a best practice there to be able to get to that end result of forecasting. 
Exactly. So and how do you um, effectively communicate KPIs to your team once you've gone through all of that work and you and you have those goals and targets? Awesome. So um, in our company, basically everyone have access to Barometrics, which is our main uh, dashboard and BI platform today. So they do have a very open, uh, they have a very open access to all of our main KPIs from finance KPIs to sales KPIs. And of course, all the growth KPIs that we have. So this also helps in a way that my whole team, they can access the main KPIs that we have and they can keep up with how well or not we are doing regarding them. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, I also have to make sure that they fully understand those KPIs. Yeah. So they understand what it means and what is the impact that it has on the company. Uh, and also, how can we make action plays, plans based on the KPIs performance? And I always like to work with rituals. So we have weekly uh, weekly meetings, monthly meetings, quarterly meetings that we're going to discuss different kinds of KPIs because some of them, I should be looking at them on a daily basis or on a weekly basis or on a monthly basis. So the team gets more used to, okay, when should I pay attention to average sales cycle versus lead generated in a day? And it helps them keep focus on the right KPIs according to uh, the rituals that we have. So that usually helps us to have a very good uh, communication process around the main KPIs and constantly trying to use the same ones um, so we can keep up with the growth and understand the changes that it that it happened with that exact KPI. So I had cases in the past while I was still learning that I would look for a specific KPI with the team during a week. And then I would spend like two months without looking at the KPI again. And then would look again into that KPI and it wouldn't make sense because I wasn't paying attention to that or building action plans to improve it uh, as we should have. Yeah. And uh, one thing that really helps the team to get more involved or more excited about, you know, keeping up with the KPIs and wanting to learn more and actually understanding it a little bit better, I always try to bring some real use cases. So whenever we see a decrease or increase in a certain growth KPI, what does that actually mean in reality? Uh, are we losing customers? Are we not losing customers? Is that an example that I can give them to exemplify that specific uh, KPI that we're seeing? Absolutely. It sounds like a, a good one, sort of humanizing those numbers for people. Exactly. That's the perfect uh, word for it. Yeah. So that actually leads quite nicely into our next question, which is um, once you've sort of had this communication with your team and you've set their goals and targets, how do you ensure accountability for those KPIs that have been set? Yeah, that, that's a tricky one because so we, if you are trying to grow a company that have a sales team, so you have the human touch on it, or even a customer success team, but would also rely on someone uh, getting more information out of the customer or the prospect and putting that information on a CRM, you will be open to error, right? That's common. Yeah. And, and then it's tricky because although you really want to have the processes in place, to make sure that you would, you know, have this the, the the smaller margin for errors possible. At the same time, we are a startup, so we don't want to have a lot of processes just to get the you know number of employees exactly the same as we should expect it to be. Yeah. So it's always a balance between okay, how far I can go with using the CRM to have required fields and using a lot of different platforms to ensure the accountability of the KPIs and the data is correct, but at the same time. Uh, it, it wouldn't make sense for my sales team to lose more time filling those forms 
uh, are those fields in the right way than actually going out and making sales calls and generating more revenue. Absolutely. So we always try to, you know, what is the right balance there? I usually have a tendency to go a little bit more on the process side to make sure that, you know, the main things are in the correct place at the right time, uh, but also leave room for error because it's it's expected. And then we can, uh, we can make it right when we are evaluating the KPIs. We expect 95% of it being right, and 5% of errors sometimes. And, but yeah, it's always a struggle. And I feel like the, the finding the right balance, it's usually where the real challenge lies for the growth managers. Yeah, definitely. As you say, it's sort of a balancing act there, trying to, to get the best of both worlds. Yeah. So um, you've discussed a little bit about how you work with sales teams, uh, customer success teams and marketing, um, but how does the growth team work with other departments to achieve those KPIs? Yeah, so uh, one of the other good things about us still being in a small company, around 50 people, is that the communication, it's easier. And that is, uh, so it's easier for me to communicate with the product team, the engineers team or CS team or other areas that are related to growth. And just to give an example of how we go about that, we do have our weekly all hands meeting. Yeah. And, uh, and then every, so every week, every two weeks, we change it a little bit. So in one week, we do have a all hands meeting a little bit more focused on tech on what's going on on the engineer side and what's going on on the product side, what's coming along, what they have been working on the past sprints, what's improved, what are the new bugs that we have to fix. And on the other week, we're going to talk about some growth-related uh, uh, subjects or related to other business-related areas. Yeah. So we always try to make it... Uh, so once a week, uh, so sorry, twice a month, we're going to sit down the whole company and talk about only about tech, product, and engineer. So the whole team is right there. The whole company is right there going through the ins and outs about even very techy stuff regarding our improvements on the engineer side or more interesting stuff, usually regarding product, new features or new things that are coming along. And then on the other week, everyone sits down and we have a conversation about the KPIs for growth, for customer support, customer service, finance. So we try to keep a balance of those things. And that's usually the moment where I have the ability to show showcase to the rest of the company what we're doing regarding growth, right? Yeah. And the way I see growth in the company strategy is that we're usually the tip of, uh, if, if, if the strategy is a spear, we're usually the tip because marketing and sales and even customer success, we're usually, usually no, we're actually in constant contact with the industry, with the market. So we are able to identify if there is a new trend in the industry, something we should be concerned about or something we should take an opportunity Take it, um, take an action because it's an actual opportunity for us. That usually comes from the sales, marketing, and customer success team by being in contact with other prospects, competitors, or clients. Right. So we like to keep the communication tight, mostly with product and engineer, so we can give the right feedback, uh, not only regarding our customers, but how the market is perceiving the industry or the solution. So we can guarantee that they are hearing the same things that we are. Yeah, absolutely. So sort of every department has some kind of information that they can feed into um, the growth strategy to, to help the business to move forward. Exactly. Perfect. So um, my next question is that we've all heard of smart KPIs. Um, what are your thoughts on this method? And do you have sort of any other uh, methods that you use to, to create KPIs? 
Yeah, so the smart KPIs, uh, I feel like sometimes the terminology is misleading, in my opinion, because we usually, uh, when we talk about smart KPIs, in the end, we want to have smart goals. Because uh, when we think about the, the smart methodology that I want the KPI or the goal to be specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound, usually I'm, I'm, I'm looking at those, uh, those factors for the goal. Yeah. So once I set a goal, I want the goal to be specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. And then on the measurable, that's where the KPIs come into place. Absolutely. So I love the smart KPIs. Sometimes I feel like we get lost in the terminology. There should be smart goals and KPIs is just one part of it. Um, and although it's a very basic framework, if you think about it, okay, yes, the goal has to be specific, has to be measurable, achievable, and et cetera. Uh, this is where usually we make the errors, right? On the easiest stuff. So it's nice to have a framework that help us don't forget about it. So whenever I'm creating a new goal, I like to think about SMART uh, before I think the KPIs I want to have for this specific goal, just to make sure that, okay, it checks all the boxes and I'm doing it the right way. And usually on, on fast growing environments, we tend to take decisions a little bit faster than usual and creating goals sometimes without evaluating uh, them through the right perspective. So I really like smart KPIs because it's a simple, easy to use framework that can help you really make sure that your goals are on the, on the right place. And usually when you do that, you kind of change the goal a little bit. So you have a first idea of how your goal wants to be, and then you go to the smart, you see that, okay, I might not be able to measure that as well as I wanted to, so I might have to change it a little bit. So I really like uh, using them for that. That's great. Um, thank you for clearing that up. I think, um, as you say, it can be quite easy to get get lost in all the terminology and sort of lose sight of, of what they're for and actually how to create those goals. So how should SaaS businesses adapt their KPIs at different stages of growth? So, so that's an interesting question. Uh, unfortunately, we have no recipe for that, even <laughs> though that would be great. But I feel like uh, there are two factors that would drive what kind of KPIs you're looking at in terms of growth. And, and I agree that it changes according to the company stages. As the company grows, it gets more complex. And I want to give you an example of how would that work. Yeah. So one of, the, one of the, the, the main factors is the goals that you set. So when you're setting the goals for your company, and let me take uh, the sales team as, a, as an example, so when the company is starting or doing the first years, you will have goals like, okay, I want to close X amount of deals in a quarter, and I want to generate a revenue and MRR of Ipsom up until the end of, of the quarter. So these are goals that are going to stay with you up until the end of time, because you always want to see how many new clients and what's the revenue that you brought to the company during a specific uh, time frame. And the KPIs are going to use to, you know, to, to measure uh, to measure this goal and make sure that the performance uh, is going on the right tracks. It's usually uh, the average ticket, the NMRR, and what is the average sales cycle, like the basic ones. Yeah. Now, as the team grows, uh, you will not only be looking at the number of new, new, new clients and also revenue, but you also want to have a goal that is related to, for example, average sales cycle. You want your team that during a specific quarter, they decrease the sales cycle in 15%, for example. So you are turning a KPI into a goal. So if you go about the SMART um, framework, now average sales cycle is my goal. So what are the KPIs that are going to help me 
see if I actually getting close or not to, to close that gap and reaching that goal. It's not going to be an average sales cycle because right now that's the goal. So we're going to start looking at how many engagements the sales team have been doing per lead per day, or how many calls, how many proposals were sent, or what is the average time to first contact. So you have to go an extra step and look for more specific KPIs in order to uh, measure your more specific goal. And this is a never-ending process. And as the company grows, you tend to be more specific on your goals, and this will impact the KPIs you want to look at. So that's important to have, uh, you know, to, to really understand if you have the capability of getting to those KPIs, because if I want to improve my average sales cycle, but I'm not able, for example, my CRM doesn't allow me to understand the number of engagements and all these other KPIs, it would be a guess, right? Maybe you have an impact on my team, a psychological impact. Okay, I know this is something they can they have to pursue. It might impact your bonuses somehow. So it might see an improvement, but at the same time, I cannot measure it. Yeah. So I feel like goals is definitely something that's going to drive how complex or not your KPIs are going to be, depending on your company's stage. And another thing that is also uh, that also impacts another factor is, well, there are some KPIs that you must have, but this is not going to change if you are a SaaS company or a tech company or looking to grow. So most of the basic marketing KPIs from the conversion rates on the marketing funnel to your CPC, CPA, or how many leads you generated, and also from sales, the main ones, these are going to stay with you up until the end of times. So for me, it's a mix of, okay, am I looking at the must-haves correctly? depending on the stage that, that, that I'm on? And do I have the right KPIs uh, to measure the goals that I have set for my company? Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. So as you say, you sort of got those those basic ones to fall back on, as you say, that will be with you till the end of time and then sort of seeing what works best for you, really. Yeah, that's it. Perfect. So now that we've gone through how to address setting KPIs for growth, how to work with different teams. I know sort of along the way, you've mentioned a couple of different tools that you've used, sort of Fair Metrics and Zapier. So what are your favorite tools to use to set KPIs for your team? Um, so we are currently using Bare Metrics, which I really like. It's the first time I have used it. Uh, so I definitely recommend it. It's easier to implement than other dashboard or BI solutions. So it's quite interesting. And another alternative that I have used in the past is Tableau. And the thing with Tableau is this, it's a great tool. It takes some effort to put things in place. It's not as easy to implement as Metrics or MongoDB or other platforms of the sorts, but it can be very powerful once you have the right team and the right tools to use it. So I really love using Tableau when I can. Yeah. And uh, as you mentioned, Zapier, big part of our, uh, so Zapier is very important for growth teams, especially if you have a small marketing or lead generation or sales team, because it gives you as a manager and the rest of your team, a lot of freedom to build integrations that you need without having to rely on your internal tech team or hiring a third party company. Okay. Yeah. So Zapier really gets you up and running as soon as possible. Uh, as well as I feel like Unbounce is also a great platform for creating forms and landing pages. If you're looking to boost your, your website or your blogs, lead generation, I really feel like Unbounce is the way to go. Once again, it's low code. So I, I'm not a tech specialist. I don't, I don't code, but I can use those platforms really well. 
So it gives me a lot of speed on my day-to-day routine. And to be honest, we cannot not talk about spreadsheets because every time there's something that you cannot generate on either of those platforms, you always go back to the spreadsheets and you'll get the information that you want. Yeah, So heavily using them, it's bad, but not using them, I think it's wrong as well. Yeah, as you say, sort of, uh, is it a bit of a mix of the the old-fashioned way and the brand new tools that can make the the best results, really? Exactly, I think the right balance is key. Great. Well, thank you so much for t- talking to us today. I think everything that you've gone through has been so helpful for our audience and sort of cleared up a few things, a few questions that we've had. So, uh, in this part, if I have any questions. Um, yeah, absolutely. So if you have any um, final words or words of advice or tips that you want to give to to our listeners. Oh, yeah. So um, basically, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed being here. I think the, the conversation was great. Uh, and yeah, hopefully uh, what we discussed today could help some of the growth managers out there. Uh, it was a real pleasure to be here. Perfect. Thank you so much.